You have the power to listen to the power of J-Skull. Like, share, and subscribe. On the power of J-Skull. Welcome to the show, everyone. Of course, it's me, Jason, and Bo's third dad here deep in Shearer at the moment. So... As the title says for this episode, we today we're going to be looking at season two of uh, Shearer and the Princess of Power. And uh, I'm just going to let the cat out of the bag straight away, Jason. Like, what a great season. Indeed. Love Indeed. And as we were discussing, diff- um, more of a half season, I think, and you think. So that's our, that is our yeah. suspicion, is that this was not meant to be a full season. It's like half of what should have been the second season. Those seven episodes, though, of what they're mm. calling season two, uh, every one of them, there's no wasted space. There's no beauty. fat yeah, on any of these beauty. episodes. It's, it's, uh, they're, they're almost each one of them like raises the stakes for me. Yes. It's time emotionally, story wise. Um, yeah, yeah, really dug it, really dug it. So, hence, I'm going to be gushing now for the next, I don't know, hour. So, well deserved, of course, because yeah, this... not everything was perfect, but pretty damn close. I mean, you know, I think at this point, if you're not invested, you should be just. I don't know what what you know vibration you're on, but clearly, you know, this is a show that's not going to grab you because I think once you're in, once you start caring about these characters, which happens early on, um, you know, within this series, then you know them now raising the stakes uh, is great. Indeed, I'm going to bring the brightness up just a little bit in my studio. There we go. Oh, there we go. Now I'm, not, now I'm not just a black blob from here down. No, that's right. That's right. Well, let's get stuck into, let's have a look at episode one of season two, which yes. was the frozen forest. The horde's bots attack the woods, but the princesses can't capture one intact. Though Glimmer struggles with the leadership, Catra has no such problems. Um, really great episode. Really, you, you know what I dug the most about it? Like the, the the biggest thing I liked about it was the 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 concept of they were just sending those robots wave yep, by wave, wearing them down, and it's wearing such them a great down, strategy. utilizing all their resources, and you know, just you know, and they hadn't lost one soldier at all. You know, and you look at. I just, I just love the fact that you're almost proud of Catra in this episode. You're just like, you go, girl. You, you stick it to those princesses. You, you deserve this. Yeah, she really shows your strong shot in this episode, like strategically and as a leader. You know, as in that description does, like she is very authoritative and and in control. Far more. She's on top of the world. Yeah, yeah, and, and in which season only, one, she which wasn't only means always she's like got that. a little bit to fall now. Yeah, <laughs> that's okay. Yeah. I like seeing her on top of the world. Katra is, we must protect her. <laughs> so, um, the 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 bots thing, like I said, I really loved, and then they amp it up by bringing putting first one's tech into a bot. Yes. I really like that because yes. I'm thinking. How do they stop that thing? Like, it grows back. <laughs> you know what I mean? It literally, you cannot, and it is like the impossible thing to stop. So, And the way they do kill it, I didn't feel cheated. I didn't no. feel it was, 
you know, not earn. It like made sense to me with them combining their powers, basically, you know. Yeah, it, it made perfect sense. And uh, I will never stop gushing about what this show did with Entrapta so early, just putting her on the Horde side and having them exploit the talents that the Rebellion basically thought were annoying. You know, I, I found that humbling to the Rebellion and encouraging to the Horde. And, you know, Entrapta continues to show her worth throughout this season to the point that, oh, my gosh, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Entrapter is absolutely amazing. And let's face it, if you want to really put the harsh reality down, her staying with the Rebellion would have limited her opportunities. It totally would So this would is have. the thing. I, I get her perspective. Mm -hmm. I, I totally understand why she would want to do that as a scientist. Well, she, is, you know? she just, like you said, she just cares about the science. And it's not, she's not evil. She's not good. She is simply somebody who wants to discover things. And yeah, I obviously has a... she, I don't even think she comprehends a lot of it. And as I've said before, it, it, I think it's highly suggested that the entrapped is on the spectrum, that she can't yes, read the room. 100%. And I think, I think that just, that just defines so much of her. She cannot read the room. Mm. And if she could, I do think she'd be like, oh, this is not great. Which I, yeah. I have to tell you a funny, I sat through a teacher training the other day. And I was listening to the person who was, you know, talking to this entire room of teachers. And after a while, I'm like, wait a second, that sounds just like Entrapta. Because she was up there going, well, if you want to look over here, we're going to be talking about this. <laughs> and then accent. I was just giggling like an idiot the entire time by myself. And I knew that if I explained this to anybody, <laughs> yeah, she sounds just like a character on She-Ra and the Princesses of Power. <laughs> Is that a That's show hilarious. for girls? No, it's not a show for girls. You shut up. But you're talking about Entrapta too. She becomes a bit of a threat, doesn't she? She she was always a threat. But always. Catra just, starting never, to really yeah. absorb that, isn't she? She was always a threat, and Catra was the only one who recognized what kind of a threat she could be. And it's starting to pay off because she starts to have, obviously, those interactions with Hordak now. Yes, yes. Which, is, uh, which yeah, makes her even more dangerous now because she... She's obviously gonna uh, whatever he wants. She's like, oh, fascinating. I'm in. Yeah, and you know, Hordak is at the same time somebody who underestimates her at first, mm. and then you know, because Hordak's kind of a snob. He's a snobby twink. I mean, mm. let's let's face it. He walks in. He's like, oh, someone from a backwater world wouldn't understand this. Oh, here I rewired it for you. It works now. What? <laughs> yes. I just I just exactly. love that. There, this begins such an such a amazing relationship between Entrapta and Hordak because you're you're seeing the beginning of Hordak's character arc right here. You know what's been so stunning about Entrapta to me is I expected in about two episodes she was going to go back to the rebellion. That's what I thought the first time I watched through this, and then you know you're yeah. in the middle of the last season and you're like, I don't think she's going back. Yeah, no, by the beginning of this season, I'm like, she ain't going back. Like, she, yeah. why would she? They have not set up any reason for her to go back. No, you know? no. But um, uh, one thing that I do, I do have to say, though, is that, um, as I've said before, this is a series where the conflict grows beyond concepts of good and evil. Mm. And I'm kind of enjoying this rewatch uh, because I'm recognizing how they're putting the pawns on the table at this point. And oh, I'm right. starting to think, okay. oh, 
This is why the writers did that with Entrapta. This is why they did it with Scorpia and mm-hmm. Glimmer and all of these people. It's just, it's, I will say it again. Yeah. This show is one of those shows where whenever they wrote the first episode, they knew where they wanted it to end. And you just see all of this setup and all of this foreshadowing. And that's the sign of true quality. It's not let's make it up as we go along. Oh, yes, they were dead the whole time. Now we're in a church and, you know, Hurley's in charge. Yeah. (laughs) It is, is, uh, you know, this is Entrapta's journey. And by the end, this is where we want her. This is Hordak's journey. And this is where we Mm. want him at the end. Yeah. And I, I also have to say, I love this season because, as I said, this is the beginning of Hordak's arc. There are no simple villains in this story. Mm, everybody okay. is motivated from a place of, well, almost everybody. Almost everybody here is from a place of fear, trauma, or neglect. And you start to see that yeah. in Hordak as well. And you're just like, wow. Because okay. we, we said this season was defined by emotional gut, gut punches. There's at least two mm-hmm. big ones. There's one coming up with Hordak in a couple of seasons. I think next okay. season, maybe. And you're yeah. just watching it going, whoa. Okay. Yeah. It's, awesome. It's, awesome. It's but so we get a couple of them. Season. Even this season, what I watched. Oh. Yes, I know. And we kind of get introduced to that in this episode because we see the start of an interaction between Catra and Shadow Weaver. Yes. So yes, she's obviously did. being incarcerated at this point. By the end of this episode, they've, it gets revealed that Catch is personally going in and interacting uh, interacting with her, which I thought was a good way to kind of end it. But I'm probably jumping the gun then because well, I did want to talk about the idea, and I did mention it, the idea of everyone getting together and joining forces and trying to understand that together, the power, like a, another level of power is there. Power Ranger stuff, yes. Yeah. We can yeah. do this by working together. Yeah, and they get so the Uber Glow, you know. Um, <laughs> and I, I don't know if I hate it or not. I don't know if I like it or not. I don't know if it's necessary. I, I do would say that the show is so well written that it does feel maybe that's one element that even if it wasn't there, I wouldn't be... Blinking, but I think that's probably there more for the kids. I believe so. Concept, yeah. Quite honestly, I had completely forgotten about it. Yeah, (laughs) I I really had. Here we are, though. They glow. Okay. I'm almost coming off like, you know, really, you're supposed to be writing this for me, not for the kids. So, yeah, lose the (laughs) How dare you? Yeah, how dare you? I'm the one who's emotionally invested in the story about superpowered princesses. (laughs) <laughs> exactly um yeah but no love the episode uh it was a good first episode of the season kind of got established you know the bad guys again established where they were from the end of last season so you know the That's first season is basically what getting the premieres. band back together yeah second season premieres usually have to do that they they have to remind everybody okay here's mm. who everybody is and so, here's where they're at and here's what they're doing okay go <laughs> Yeah, big tick on that one, though, because yes. it works. And it sets up what is going to happen in the season. And like I said, that meeting with Catcher and Shadow Weaver mm-hmm. is a foreshadowing which becomes quite important now throughout the rest of this season, Indeed. I believe, anyway. Indeed. There's so much right, toxicity let's... in that relationship, and it just kind of 
pops like a pimple at the end. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely, it's, uh, yeah, it's pretty full on. Let's have a look at episode two. Episode two, the ties that bind. After discovering that Entraptor is alive, Bo and, Bo and Glimmer go on a mission to rescue her. Light Hope wants Adora to include Swiftwind in her training. Now, this episode here, this is, and I should have probably mentioned we we, we missed out the end of the last episode. Bo, isn't it? Bo at the end of that episode finds out that Entrapped is alive. This episode. Is it this episode? The end it's of this, this episode? episode. Okay. Um, I I think it was this episode because well, actually, it was uh he finds out that he's she's alive in the last episode. In this episode, yes. they find out she's willingly working for Hordak. Yes. Yes, this is where, yeah, yeah. And and the episode, uh, look, I I again it's a really strong episode for me, Jason. I thought it was it, it, it was great, you know, the old idea of and we'll go back to hang on that synopsis for a sec. Um after discovering Entraptor is alive, Bo and Glimmer go on a rescue to rescue her. The reason I want to mention that because that's what the emotional heart of this episode is. A lot of guilt, right? Yeah. This is a very guilt-ridden, shame-based episode for a couple <laughs> of main characters. But yeah. it also shows that's the emotional stakes. Like, this is what makes the show work, though, because when things like that happen, uh, they spend the time for you to feel like the characters, it is weighing on them emotionally heavily. And because they write them so well, because we get those type of performances through the screen... Um, you know, you know, it raises the stakes of what journey they're on. It's just not a matter of better. We better go back and grab her. No, this is beyond personal for them. This is, like, I cannot allow it. I cannot live any further unless they go and try and save her. And I thought that was, that was sweet. I think that's a hard thing to write too. To make yes. it, you know. I'm trying to remember. Is this the episode where they have Catra tied up? I think it is. Where they're, is it? Where they're, yeah, is it this uh, this episode? And these these kind of run together a little bit for me, but I, I think yeah, they do, and I I do know what you're trying to. I think that the fight you're talking about the fight because there's a great teleportation scene. Is it in this? Episode? Oh, that was so great. Yes. Yeah, there's a great teleport. Yeah, right at the beginning of the episode. Um, yeah, which was wonderful, and they kept like going into the same place. But yeah, they do tie up in this episode. Scorpio yeah. is in this episode quite a bit too. Um, which is uh, really important to me too, because I think this is one of the big relationships in the season. Is her relationship, Scorpio? Sorry, relationship with Catra. Uh, oh yes, the, the it's relatable in a... some ways because if you haven't gone through, you've known someone who's gone through it. You've, you know, she represents that person who has a crush on a somebody close <laughs> yeah. to them and doesn't know how to kind of deal with it, but wants to deal with it. There are so many and, crushes. And she's on so this sweet show. at the same time. <laughs> yeah. So I, uh, I enjoy just seeing how just darn manipulative and clever Catra is during the entire episode. Because even though she's tied up and basically at Bo and Glimmer's mercy, yeah, you never feel like they're in charge once. Uh-huh. Like she's tied up, but the she's, moment she owns she it, she throws all. him off that cliff. Oh, it was so great. <laughs> How good was that? And and the stakes were raised right then again, wasn't it? It was like, all right, let's, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and that was a total power move. 
I'm dropping things. Huh. It was, and you just feel like catcher's just toying with them the whole time. It's almost like, yeah, you've you've got me. Yeah, yeah I'm yeah. totally not going to be messing with you this entire time. Yeah. <laughs> and that's again, that's so great because that's a level of writing, and again, we're just gushing about that, right? But it is a level of. Yeah, the normal one-note character would be you capture him and he gets away. They don't put those kind of layered subtleties of that. She is absolutely going according to her. She's a master manipulator. She knows exactly. She's four steps ahead. She knows exactly where yeah. she's going to be, and she knows what moves she's going to make. And um, we got we got to talk about Swifty. It's we got to talk about Swifty. It's a big part of this episode. The other half of the episode. He's yeah. just become such. A fun character. <laughs> he's, he's just, he's, a, I keep using the word wholesome, but I have no other word for it. Swift is, is so wholesome because... and he's so wide eyed and he just wants to help and he just wants everyone to, to be fine and, you know, yeah. <laughs> and he's just, he has so... a misguided ego that's he not really hateful. It's not hateful. Like, no. it's, it's very genuine because there are times where he borderlines on being like a jerk. Mm-hmm. But then he'll say something like he'll be a buffoon and talk about himself. But then he'll directly come out with a line that's really important and it makes sense and is important to the mission. Like he balances that line, doesn't he? Because he's a very I, I, wise horse. I honestly don't know how they did it because he just seems like a character you would naturally hate just like oh my gosh he's so annoying yeah. but at the same time he's he you just love him yeah you you just love you do, everything you about do him. because besides his buffoonery and his ego there's a wise pure-hearted you know uh, being that you know wants nothing but to bond with adora and that's what <laughs> i liked about this episode because that's what the mission is is that she's training and she's doing well but yeah, they wanted to introduce Swiftwin and get that bond together, um, and and I and I thought it was really well done. I love the songs. Did you love the songs? I did was... love the songs. Yeah, yeah. Swiftwin was here. We go off to save the Watchtower from someone else who did something wrong. I, I love. Kind of reminded me of Monty Python and the Holy Grail. You know, yeah. Swiftwin ran away, away, Swiftwin ran away. I can't sing. Yeah. Wow. No, it was. Um, <laughs> You know, do you, really think, and it's, do you really think he's an egomaniac, or do you just think he's just super grateful for what he is? Because that, yeah, of... I think he's in the moment. I think yeah. there's not one droplet of malice, hatred, selfishness, anything negative about it. I just think he's, yeah, he's almost like self-aware. He's to the point of, oh my god, I'm now a talking horse. Look how amazing I am. I'm pretty amazing, aren't I? Like, let's face it, and he's not wrong. No, it's not. He's not wrong. But also he can back it up. That's the thing with him. He can be, he can keep talking about himself as much as possible, but he backs it up with, you know, being a heroic, wise, you know, partner for Shearer. Swiftwind is one of the revelations of this of this show. Absolutely. Because I didn't see him coming at all in any way. Mary Sue, I'm just saying. <laughs> but I didn't see that character coming in anyway. Hey, I, I didn't just... either because Swiftwind was such a non-entity in the filmation series. 
Just, exactly. It was every now and again, Shira, we must go to the castle. Yes, yeah. when that was your only line this entire episode. <laughs> this was my only line. <laughs> it was a beautiful. It was a just beautiful win to it. The though. way they draw him is just so wonderful. Yeah. It had. I was not a big fan of the art style whenever uh, the show premiered because I found it kind of simplistic. But it works now, and the more I yeah, look at it, the no, more it's like, like oh, really it, it works. It works. I, you quit being they take that art. kind of simplistic kind of animation, and I, I, all the expressions they amp them up by 10, 20 percent, yes. and it works perfectly for the pitch for the show. I think it's yeah. I have I have nothing negative to say because you're right. You first see it, you go, wow, didn't really spend a lot of money here. It was like the cheap Korean studio working on this one, but no. No, it's by design, and um, it's actually there are scenes when you watch the show, you go, "Oh no, this is very well done. This is everything is purposeful," you know. Um, yeah, yeah, but I loved it. It was a good, another great episode. Swift win now, one of the big kind of favorites. Um, yeah, we're going to the next one, I reckon, Jace. Let's do it. All right, episode three signals. The squad heads to Alwyn. Rebellion's uh, breadbasket. It's been out of contact and there are rumours it's haunted. Entraptor sneaks into Hordak's lab. Right. What did you think of this episode? I enjoyed it. Uh, out of all of them, I think that this one was probably my, and I say this like like uh, chocolate is my least favourite type of ice cream. It's still yeah. great. Uh, this was probably my least favourite of the entire season. But it had yeah. some great moments. Uh, Entrapta's, you know, um, uh, her interactions with Hordak and the revelation of what was actually going on in Alwyn with the yeah. with the uh, with the ghosts, I thought was pretty deep. It was, and it had a beautiful, like not to give away the end, but there's a moment at the end, so beautiful. Yes. Like, at the end of this episode, I thought now, was... they're just people. I was expecting more. It is a trapped episode, just... though, isn't it? Again, it really kind of is. Yes, and then you think about it in Trapped, the screen time they give her and the importance of the role that she plays in the direction of the story. She's one of the main, main stars in this season for sure. Yes, she is well deserved as well. Which if you'd have told me. Whenever she was first introduced, she would be such an important character. I'd be like, really? Yeah, exactly. Entrapped, that, that one entrapped it, but yeah, she, yeah. she, she earns it. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, it's an episode where it's really, you know, catch her, starting the Hordak's putting the pressure on at this point. Yes, and she's learning that leadership is not what she thought it was. It involves paperwork and requisitions, and she yeah. doesn't know how to do it. You yeah. see the you see the cracks in her armor, and you see that she doesn't handle it very well. And those cracks in those armor is juxtaposed, you know, is opposite to her seeing that entrapped her against her advice, stay out of you know Hordak's lab. Mm -hmm. lab. She goes in there, and they really start that interaction towards each other. They start to work together on what looks like going to be the big plan, and Katra sees that, you know, so. Her stocks are going down, and she's seeing entrapters are going up a little bit. Yes, and I don't really think it's a professional jealousy. I believe that in that Katra sees herself being pushed out of the favor of the only 
father figure she knows that she's doing everything not for herself she's doing it because she wants to be accepted she has disposed of shadow weaver trying yeah. thinking that that will make shadow weaver proud of her and now she's working on hordak hordak puts her in charge it's everything she wants and then all of a sudden entrapta just swoops in and starts taking that that approval that she so desperately needs away from her and and I, add I just, on to it's that psychologically brilliant yeah and the add on to that Catra knows that it's not on purpose by Entrapta too. Yes. Like it, I it don't was, feel it was for given her away so easily. Yeah. And she's like, well, you know, it's like something she can't help and really can't blame anyone except for Bahorda. But yeah, what you're really talking about is the, to the the toxic relationships that Catra has with her, you know, guardians, the mm -hmm. people who raised her mentors you know elders like it's it's pretty it's it's pretty deep and it's pretty uh complex i would say uh with her you know with the, the whole thing with shadow weaving you know the fact that she's keeping her in a cage that whole concept there to try to reconnect with her to to, to salvage some sort of understanding of why you know what kind of relationship they have which we'll discover later on in the in yeah. the season. And then, yeah, you're right. Her, her constant need for attention. Yeah, well, so validation, not attention, validation. Yeah, just, just simple validation, these, yes. From these you know, abusers in many ways. Yeah. And especially people, that, people don't deserve her. She yes. just does anything for them. And it's it's such a commentary. I I would love I don't really this is gonna sound completely bad, but I'm just I'm just thinking the writers of the show obviously have some kind of experience yeah that's the sad thing i'm curious yeah. i'm curious where they drew it from to create this narrative that is just so unbelievably tragic wow. and yet at the end it becomes uplifting and well, i just just bravo i have no other words for it just bravo i mean we both wish that this storyline was so absurd and so uncommon and rare. But here's the reality. It is an actually relatable situation for a lot of young people out there. Oh, yeah. It's, a re and, it's and, relatable and, for and a lot of old people part. out there as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's absolutely brilliant, you know. Well, um, mobile phone tower. Was that this episode? Of, no, that was the last episode. <laughs> mobile phone tower. Mobile phone tower. <laughs> Well, that. this was kind of another mobile. There's a lot of episodes this season about mobile phone towers because T-Mobile was... is not given theory mm -hmm. great coverage, I don't think. So, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean the the first one's tech. Another big player in this season. It's everything is around this first one's tech. This first one's tech is it's that thing that can kind of do anything, isn't it? It's the, it's magic the MacGuffin. Style. The MacGuffin, but the MacGuffin. It, works. it works because it's a continual MacGuffin. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it. It just fixes all kind of situations, which I go with because I go with it in Hollywood movies. I have for years, and I accept it. So why wouldn't I accept it here? Absolutely, I'm fine with it. Fine. Absolutely, whether, whether it's the the Lost yeah. Ark of the Covenant or First One's Tech, yeah, you know, it's a it's an age old story uh, ingredient, and I'm fine with it. I'm not going to sit here and complain about it. Yeah, the ghostly apparitions. Yes, I. Uh, Kind of weird because I'm going, oh, we're doing a ghost story here. 
but they're echoes more than ghosts, aren't they? They're yes. The digital echoes. And nah, I that think moment it was nice when a door have... shuts off that device. Yeah. Uh, it's kind I... of she says this there can rest in peace or something like that. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought this was a great, a great way to kind of demystify a lot of her own um, abilities because yeah. he has been seeing the first ones as these godlike beings, and here she finally sees them for what they truly were—just mm. regular people. And yeah. I, I just find that this—I think that this episode is a lot more important than what we realize. In what way? That she is that she sees. Shira and the first ones are just the result of people just like her. That they're they were not meant to be deified. They were not meant to be placed on a pedestal. They were people who lived, who had children, who went to work, and who died. They were flawed. Just, yeah, they were flawed. They were not perfect. And mm. you know, I think that that kind of also gets rid of a lot of her guilt that she's been feeling quite unfairly about what Mara did. And Mara is another character that is recontextualized later, and you're just like, oh, oh, okay. Okay, okay. Well, I'll, I'll reserve my judgment until then, I think. <laughs> um, because what I'm presented with is something like, I don't know, what I'm thinking at the moment. I, I love the idea of it. I love the content. I love the mythology that they're building. Uh, you know, back with the first ones and all this kind of stuff. And, uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's... Yeah, it's becoming like uh, it goes in directions that I really don't see it going, which is always fun and a surprise. When yes, you, when that you watch is. It. And this episode, especially, too, with that, um, the whole ghost episode, normally this type of stuff, I don't like ghost stories. I love films, but I generally don't like ghosts dealt with in cartoons, put it that mm -hmm. way. I'm weird like that. Did you not you like Scooby Doo? Yeah, you know what I mean? I'm a bit Scooby-Dooed out at this point. Oh, know? my gosh. I'm, or Jabber Jaw. No. Yeah, Jabber Jaw. You didn't like Jabber Jaw. <laughs> um, no, no, yeah, but it worked. No, I liked it. I liked it very, very much. But I'll tell you what I did love, Jason. And What's this that? is the next episode, probably. Oh, this is my favorite of the season. The highlight of the season. Yes. We're getting into it right now. That, <laughs> and that is Roll With It. Adora and the Princesses. Roleplay plans for retaking a horde fortress. With Scorpio in charge, the defenders face a challenge. What a brilliant <laughs> idea for an episode. It's the D&D &D episode. It's, a, it's their D&D &D episode. Oh, my God. It's not it's meant so to be, fun. but it absolutely is. <laughs> They're legit trying to make plans, strategic plans, to take the fortress. Which I, I love the idea of it. And I immediately, get, I immediately connect straight away what they're doing here. We're going to get different versions on how to tackle this problem. Yes. And it does not disappoint, does and it? And different animation styles as well. Mm. <laughs> I just love so Which much. Which is great. And I personally love Glimmer's animation style. I Glimmer's animation style was just, the, the anime was just so wonderful. It's, yeah, I just loved it, you know. I, I absolutely love the different interpretations of Catra. Yes. Wonderful. <laughs> Throw some Eartha Kit in there too. Did you pick oh, up? Oh, I of that? did pick up the Eartha yeah. Kit. Yeah, it was very good. <laughs> so, a lot of fun to be had with this. Hey, and Indeed. it pays off. The whole episode to me is almost like a payoff 
for a throwaway gag they did in a previous episode where they mentioned about these figures and she goes, Bo made them for us in the first season. Yes. There is a mention of those figures. <laughs> and now, and now where they were there's going, a whole episode all... based upon them playing literally D&D with those figures. <laughs> right. We, we got to talk about Bo's um, interpretation because whenever that showed up, yeah, and that is that is the the two thousand characters reimagined as the eighties characters. The mustache I, was just perfect. I I died. I was deceased yeah. as the kids. Yeah. I did laugh. Days. Just everything I did laugh from quite a bit. everything from the pun war between Bo and Catra. You know, oh, I guess you will land on your feet. Well, I will have a perfect plan. <laughs> I'm positive you won't. So I much would be, be lying if I thought you would win. Yeah. <laughs> I personally love Mermania. Sorry, Mermania, isn't it? What's that? I always get Mermania. Is it? It's Mermista. Mermista, Mermista. Sorry, Mermista. I'm yes. thinking. I've gone. Yeah, I'm getting old. Sorry, folks. Mermista. <laughs> Her whole thing about really just. I found it as a giant. She was kind of just teasing Shira. Because this is the episode, remember? She turns around and goes, I will be Sira. I will be Sira, yes. <laughs> Which I absolutely love because all the princesses join in, obviously, yes. and they start putting their version. So I, mean, I love that bit with Mermister and she basically, what does she have to try? Yes, she does a He-Man joke. I guess she uses the line, I was introduced to fabulous powers. Yes. My trident, yes. <laughs> It was oh, great. Dude. I absolutely love that movie. And I just I just love how all these different versions like happen at the end. They they make it happen and it's it's so satisfying. Everything from Sira to you know ultra armor uh frosta. This is a lot yes. colder than what I thought it would be. Yeah. We start to get a bit more about Frosta too. They you know, we is it this oh, episode yeah. we start to get a bit of a breakdown of who she is, what her dynamic is within she the sees Glimmer as group. a big sister, and that's so cute. She's obsessed, I yeah, think it's adorable. Yeah. I sit next to yeah, Glimmer. She's looking Aww. for a, a friend. Yeah, yes. sweet. And I love how they softened her up because whenever they first introduced her, I was just like, I'm not gonna like this character because she's just kinda, uh, she's just kind of a witch. But yeah, so they softened her up and they made her more of a kid. And I, I really enjoyed. I, I like the the wholesome interactions that she yeah. has with these older kids because you know she's she's a lot like catcher she just wants to be accepted and she wants to have that validation and she gets it i mean frost you, you don't cross frosta she will she will frost you yeah and you know what's great about her and i reckon that was on purpose the way that she, they wrote her that she wasn't a likable character mm -hmm. and then you got to like her because that also teaches you know younger people that certainly don't judge a book by sometimes the first interactions you have with people, you shouldn't completely judge right a book on its cover. So it is a you know, you should take the time to get to know people. And I love that messaging behind it as well. And it's not over, it just is. Yeah. And it's, I think it's really you never important feel like you're being people. pounded over the head with the more never, never. No. So but yeah, roll with it like I yeah, Scorpio's got a bit of a, a leadership role in this episode. What did you think of? I, I liked her in, in a leadership role. I thought that she was a threat on her own terms. 
and you know physically and i would say even strategically i think she did well it's and a funny I, I, balance I, to have because she plays someone who is normally would have been written of just the hopelessly in love and therefore a bit of a buffoon but yeah. she is not incapable she's very capable um and believe it or not doesn't let that crush that she has a very obvious crush affect her performance um no. at all so yeah she's always a threat when she's near um yeah again absolutely love her you know so but it's all about trying to impress Catra. you know that's absolutely. the obsession there that's what the driving factor is too it's so why she's probably trying so to capable. impress she other people not disappoint her friend. you're either you either had an episode about somebody trying to press somebody or you got a episode about a faulty cell phone tower it's very yeah. weird <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, absolutely one of the highlights just because of the whole idea of the team working together and what they are, they're, 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 it's that continued journey of them trying to figure out how to be more efficient as a team and get that team kind of working together. They're showing signs of brilliance, but even at this point, they're not a well-oiled machine yet. Not yet, but they're getting there and they're, they're having getting fun there. Doing this it. is an episode that helps them progress towards that. I also like how it highlighted Adora's own fears about being part of a team because she's not scared to be part of a team. She's scared of what's going to happen to the people on her team. Yeah. And I found that very interesting. Well, it's a, it's a burden and a fear she'd be carrying based upon the past. Correct. Yes. I mean, she, yes. that that's the other thing is Adora probably greatest fear. Is what happened to the previous person is going to happen to her. Yes, she's very insecure. Yeah, very insecure. And, and you know what? I don't think it's unwarranted, to be honest with you. I mean, you're thrown with that, you know. You are going to be feeling very kind of insecure. It's a lot mm -hmm. to carry on. I mean, this is a kid who is not only powerful because she can swing a sword. This is a kid powerful who's been able to be resilient in times of great trauma. I mean, her whole world came crashing down mere months ago. Now she's heading up a rebellion. Now she's going through these situations again and again. And, you know, she keeps standing up and going to it. It's it's, it's amazing. And, and you know, oh, come on, Jace, it's a cartoon. Of course she's going to. No, they're not writing it that way. Everything that happens to these characters matters. That's what they're telling me as someone who's watching it. Like yes. we're not frivolously doing things. So yes. it just makes it, you know, really powerful, doesn't it? It really is, yes. Yeah. All right. You know what? Well, let's just let's, let's take it. It's getting deep and heavy. Let's lighten it up with a commercial. We'll be back in a second. Let's do that. Here's Angela and Glamour. Dolls sold separately. You can pretend. They're lovely friends of She-Ra and they have a secret power. Dark forces can't make trouble here. For Glamour shines. She has no fear. All is deep in the skies. We're beautiful Angela Oh my God, Mom! Why can't you let me have a commercial by myself? What an upgrade for Glimmer! Indeed, what an upgrade for for Angela as well. Yes, but Glimmer had like the most extreme perm, like yes, hair maintenance alone. Did. For that version of Glimmer, who's just she spent a lot of money on hair care. I <laughs> You know, those oh. those dolls were great 
for about a month and then the hair just became like this big tangled yeah. horrible poof ball of an afro just <laughs> it's time to it still is hair. amazing that the whole idea is to make yeah because they're not dolls they're action figures i mean yes, i don't know where did you figures. sit on that because like, they're they're supposed to be battle you know Taylor was ever. Do you think Taylor was ever jealous of the Princess of Power's hair, or was she just like, "Oh my God, I'm so glad I got to just have this hair, hard plastic up here." Yep, it's easier. Yeah, <laughs> Taylor seems someone who's also very kind of like not doesn't care about that yeah. stuff. No, I don't need to go to the hairdresser. Last time I went to the hairdresser, it was Hordak in disguise. Yeah, I will. Yeah, I had to my dad to help again. I had to call daddy to bail me out yet again. <laughs> Uh, all right, here we go. Ep five, episode five. Yes, episode five. Whiteout, Catra, Entrapter, and Scorpia head to the northern reach for First One's tech. The squad follows with Seahawk, who's having relationship problems. Ah, uh, always great to see Seahawk. Isn't it, it is. That's that's really what kept this episode from being my least favorite of this season. It's second yes. least favorite. It's just kind of like. Yeah. Well, this is fine, but I'm not just fully invested. Oh, we're infecting the sword again. How interesting. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll tell you what my favorite part of the episode is, is the after effects to um, Adora once she's separated from the sword. She becomes drunk, basically. Oh, yes. Yes. Which is kind yes. of what they did in the, in the first episode, too. Yeah, which is... Which Kind of silly. hilarious. I, I love that. That was, that was kind of my my thing against this episode was that it was repetitive for me. I felt oh, like oh, we've, like we've seen this. I I liked it. I mean, don't get me wrong. I liked the episode, but I just felt like we saw so much of it before that yeah. it was just repetitive. Yeah, I kind of I probably didn't not like it as much as you did because I suppose you're going around the second time now too. It's the first time I'm seeing. That gag's now been played twice for me. Yeah, I can imagine you seeing it the third or fourth time. You're like, oh, jokes yeah, over. Just, eh, you know. um, but nevertheless, uh, the bit before when she was rageful, like, what do we call her? Like, monster, monster Shearer? She Hulk? Yeah, I don't <laughs> know, but, you know, really cool. Yeah, I, I was. At first, I was like, oh, cool. They're going to just make her just this rage beast this time. Yeah. And then they fell back on the whole drunk gag, and I was just disappointed oh, okay. that they did that. Fair enough. Fair enough. Seeing Seahawk again, though, you must have liked that. Oh, I, I'm always happy to see Seahawk. Yeah. He's such a fun character. He is, isn't he? You know? Um, and, and it really is. Yeah. It, it's it's one of those things. He's kind of limited, though, isn't he? How much more can we use Seahawk? For that, we're going to find out. We're going to find out. I'm going to find out. I mean, we Hopefully don't see him every can... week, so it's like yeah. it's okay to have this, you know, buy or try weekly visit from Seahawk. Oh, yes, it's Seahawk. Hi, hi. Mm. Then you get kind of tired of him at the end of the episode. Then he doesn't show up for three or four episodes. Then he's back again, and you're like, ah, Seahawk, I remember I liked him. Yeah, yeah. He's kind of like the Steve Urkel of this series. He kind of is, except he doesn't take it. Hey, away. man, I, yeah, in his time, Steve, Urk, Steve Urkel, he was mildly funny. Mildly. Very passable. 
I mean, he was 90s. Steve it, Hall it was the 90s. Is infinitely better than Steve Urkel. So much, so much. So, yes. That's my I point. Agree. <laughs> I resent me coming up with that comparative in the first place. Anyway, moving on to, uh, you know, um, really the whole season, this first one's tech. A lot, a lot of things are built around this first one's tech, which means, yeah. and I know you can't say anything, but there's got to be a big payoff here somewhere down the line around. First world technology. Yes. You remember the mic drop I told you? The mic drop that's coming. Yeah, that's that's, coming. Yeah, yeah. But at the end of it, though, they escape with tech, though. They get away with it at the end, don't they? It's bad guys get away with this. Yes, they do. They get the tech that they need. Yes. So it sets up a pretty interesting next episode. All kinds of nefarious things going on right now. Yeah, the penultimate episode you would suggest, episode six, which is Light Spinner. That's it. (laughs) An imprisoned shadow weaver. (laughs) I can really lean into the Aussie if you want. Uh, An imprisoned shadow weaver (laughs) recalls her past as Light Spinner, a powerful sorcerer who taught Glimmer's father. Hordak gives Catra a deadline. There you go. That's just. As we can get. I like it. Um, <laughs> great, great, great episode. I oh, really so was excited, beyond excited at this episode. This is one of my faves. Favorite, I really, I, I enjoy so much how, um, oh gosh, I'm trying to remember the, the actress's name and while I'm trying to look at it without like letting anybody know that I'm trying to look it up on my phone. Yeah, I had her name up before. She's a wonderful actress. Yes. Uh, wonderful. She, and her performance in this episode. Is... The, the performance is so great. The way that she... It's award. She, it's, it's Shadow Weaver's voice without Shadow Weaver's malevolence. And I just find that so not only amazing, but also a tiny bit terrifying and off-putting because it's almost like light spinner had this monster in her the whole time just underneath the surface and it's all communicated through that voice and i just kudos and it was amazing i i just think this is probably one of the best vocal performances that we have seen in the series so far oh without question it is an award-worthy performance fast absolutely um, and and yeah, and 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 Herb and the way she plays it out, and the fact that, like you said, you know, it's always been underneath, simmering there, and they don't, they don't try to give you, oh no, she was pure and good, and then something happened to her, and oh, now she's well, evil. They don't do that. No, she was like you know, that because the whole time. She's making poor choices at light spinner. Like, this is, Lorraine Toussaint. Lorraine Toussaint is her name. Wonderful actress. Yes, from Rosewood and, really and Orange is the New Black. Yeah, and and you know because you, you know you're doing your rewatch at the moment. The moment, like basically halfway through this episode, I had that moment of I could literally right now go back and watch every episode with her in it again. Absolutely, what I'm seeing here is obviously shifting my perspective enough that I'd be curious to see now that I'm seeing her or her origin story how I look at her manoeuvres right up to this point. We're only in season two. And I Um, also liked how this episode communicated that despite the fact that she becomes a monster, she's not a complete monster. 
because she oh. still has affection for Micah. Yeah. Because she straight up murders everyone in the room except yeah. for Micah. And whenever you think she's about to go in for that kill, she just puts a hand yeah. on his on his face and it's poof, yeah. goes away. Goes away. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and and is, hang on a minute, and this is where I get a bit blurred too. Is this the confrontation scene between Catra and that? That is uh, next episode. Actually. Next, we'll talk about yes. that next episode then. Yes, which is just unbelievable. But this whole backstory about it—it it just, oh, you know, they avoid doing beat by beat stuff. They they take an interesting direction. It's in you know what's coming. You know it's inevitable. But it's a good thing in the way that they tell it because it's helping building oh, to that. You moment. know what? I'm I'm sorry. I was wrong. This was the episode where Catcher has her meltdown. This so, I now apologize. This scene, Jason. Yeah. This scene. Yes. Now, well, one of the scenes of the season. Mm-hmm. It is. It is all powerful. Um. It is like emotional. It is. Everything that you could ever want from that kind of confrontation, you know. Yeah. Um, you just yeah, it was Catra, a jaw-dropping moment for me watching. When Catcher walks in and she's she's just so ready to have that bond with Shadow Weaver again, that parental That's bond, right. and you just realize that she's been manipulated, just like yeah. she's been manipulating everybody else. It's just Catcher is such a tragic character, and you just want to yeah. just pull her out of the TV and hug her and say, "It's gonna be okay, yeah. baby." Just. Just get rid of these toxic people. You'll be fine. You're better off without them. And, and the thing is, I may have jumped the gun there a little bit too because really what sets it up, what really sets up that moment is the scenes prior. It's that connection yes. that they were forming. Yes. It's the fact that you never saw it coming. No, that's, you didn't. You didn't, you know, and that's when that and, – and, and I'm talking about really, – I haven't jumped the gun too far, have I? No. No, 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 no. So no. We, we are talking about the moment where she's screaming. Yes. We spoke about We had a quick chat about this prior to recording. And the thing that struck me about that moment and really was the moment was the fact it was a mixture of emotion. And you heard it through her voice. You the fact did. that she was yes. full of rage. She was full of despair. She was full of confusion and rejection and these just mix of stuff and this guttural roar. Just like, don't know how many takes it took her to do it in the recording booth. Hopefully not too many, but that is <laughs> perfection. vocal cords out. Yeah, it would have absolutely. Yeah, it was the powerful scene. I don't know if this show was ever nominated for awards. If it wasn't, it should have been. And if it was, I hope it won every single one of them for this season. Yeah, I think it was. This episode. I think you'll find it was. It certainly won a lot of GLAD awards. I know that. Um, mm -hmm. But it won a lot of um, other awards as well. So, but yeah, certainly recognized. It has been recognized, but. It should be recognized at the highest level, whatever oh, that I is. Agree. That's up to interpretation anyway. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, to me, I wonder in the initial concept, Jason, that maybe this was going to be season two, part one, and part two. I believe so, uh, from, yes. But they decided to change it up. Because I've got to say, this feels like the episode to end the season on. You would think. And then we have 
Um, then we have an extra episode, which is we weird. have an extra episode. <laughs> nah, before we get to that, though, yeah, yeah. So obviously, this is all about this is all about light spinner, and I just I know I'm coming back to it, but her plan, you know, the fact that she it was a it wasn't a decision based on malice though to that plan. Like, no, it was an idea no. and a concept to help. The help, of course. The road to hell is paved with good intentions. Exactly. And this is exactly what it is. This was that classic kind of turn, you know what I mean? Yes. Um, I thought we might have got the reveal, like, but they don't. They don't do the full. We don't get the reveal, which I I love the mystery of that at the moment. Yes. I mean, of course, I want to see what she really looks like. But if they didn't, I'm totally cool with it because I love sometimes not knowing. Sometimes your imagination is better than what it is. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Anything to add for this episode before we we move into the final episode of the season? I have nothing further to add. I'm I'm ready to talk about the dads. Oh, yes. (laughs) Yes. Episode 7, Reunion. An improvised... In prison, prison improvised. Shadow Weaver recalls her past as Light Spinner, a powerful sorcerer who taught Glimmer's father, Hordak, gives... (laughs) <laughs> or that gives Catra a deadline. Exactly. I that, do yeah. believe there was some fudgery with this certain. <laughs> let let me uh, let me help out. <clears throat> um, Catra searches for Shadow Weaver. Adora and Glimmer follow Bo to a mysterious library and learn that he hasn't been truthful about his past. Okay, I like that one better. I like that one better. Much better. <laughs> Bloody IMDb. Lazy <laughs> IMDb. That's what I do, folks. I'm not hiding it. I'm just looking for the easiest source of the synopsis. Um, <laughs> yes, but it is basically, it's an episode of My Two Dads, the way it should it have been is. done back in the 80s. It is. No, it's, it's the way it should have been done. Like, let's face it. Like, yes. Uh, no, it's wonderful. Okay, here's the whole thing. You know, I'm, I'm a straight male. Uh, and, and the fact of seeing that relationship, what I love about representation in this show especially, is it's it's enlightened the way they do it because it's just, it's not rammed down anyone's throat. It's not put on any kind of highlight. It's just the way the world is, which is almost a sign of it's wish kind of, well, it's not wish fulfillment, is it? But it's the idea would be the, Ethereum, in many ways, when they the way they do relationships, it would be the ideal situation where we want to be as a human race. Absolutely. And I love the way they go about it because it's not about, oh my God, we're now got some gay dads. Look how progressive we are. It's not really highlighted in a way. To me, it's this, it's it's the son and his parents. Yeah. And it's the, the sitcom concept of he's gone away and he's lying to his parents. Yeah, that's the way it's sold. You could have easily taken one of the dads and replaced him with a mom, and it would have been the same episode. You, you could have easily replaced yeah, the two mean, dads, it, it, replaced him with two moms. Exactly, and that's something that I enjoy about it as well. Is that they don't do diversity for just diversity's sake. They, it's just a natural part of the world. And like you exactly, said, this is this is kind of the way I wish the world was. Oh, you got two dads. Okay, cool. Yeah, who? Why? Why are you telling me? I don't care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's, what's their names? Yeah, like, so what? Like, yeah, what's their name? What do I call them? 
you know. Um, yeah, yeah, and I do love that. I do love it. But they're a, they're a great couple. I will say they that they are. They are. They they play off each other very well. And yeah. uh, I I I like the relationship with Bo, even though Bo is lying to them. Um, I like that they're both nerds. <laughs> they just want their both love- nerves. I specifically have attributes that Bo has connected to one dad and connected to the other. Like yes. the emotionality of the taller dad. I can't remember their names. It's uh, one who's getting really emotional quickly. I feel that definitely Bo gets that from him. George and Lance. There we go. Yeah, George and Lance. I can't remember who the taller one was. So I was Lance, Lance. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and Lance's emotion to everything and his enthusiasm. And his eagerness, I could see, yeah, where Bo gets that from. And then there's the other side of him, you know, the look and the demeanour and the way he carries himself from his other father. So I thought that was wonderful. Um, And, yeah, yeah. And, of course, Bo being Bo, of course he had a couple of supportive fathers. But, again, he had a secret, didn't he? He had something to hide. It's almost like he came came out to his gay dads. Yeah, it's such a, you know, it's I such feel a funny a reversal. A, I feel like there's a bit of, oh, gee, I hope I'm not being racist here, but a bit of ethnic relatability because in some communities, some, you know, that's that's a big thing is the expectation that you carry on the family business. doesn't really happen a lot in Western culture or where I'm from. Um, we don't have that kind of burden to carry on but I do know it can happen with Chinese families. It can happen with African families, all sorts of places around the world. So it happens a lot with American families as well. I've seen. Oh, does it? You know, parents. Oh, I've seen parents who. I've seen kids come into my school going, "Yeah, my dad wants me to take over his garage whenever I'm grown." You know, that's just oh, what he wants care. me to do. So I'm not going to go to college. I'm going to take over his garage. Well, is that what you want to do? Not really. But yeah. it's just, it's expected. And yeah it, it, yeah, it happens quite a lot. So yeah, there's a lot of, uh, oh, there you go. I'll stand corrected. Who could, who could yeah. uh, relate to this episode? Yeah, I think it happens to a small degree here in Australia, but a very tiny. The general consensus is, you know, go follow your dreams, do what you kind of want to do. But we yeah. do see it with some. So it is a, it's a relatable storyline. That's the it point. is. It, it is, is a very relatable storyline. Strange and way to end the season, though. That's you know. It is. Oh yeah. Let's face one, it. It is a really one, season two point one. <clears throat> very strange way to leave it off. I mean, yeah, there was that. This is a circuit breaker. Yeah. yeah. This is a circuit breaker episode. I call them a circuit breaker episode because usually it comes off the back of what we just had. Mm-hmm. Which is a very big, powerful episode, and it's a way to, to clean the clean the palate will cleanse the palate of the audience yes. to have something like this. You know what I mean? Before you go into you – know, so, so, yeah, it does feel odd. It definitely does feel odd. Yeah. You know? But it was a cute episode. I mean, that's all I got. It's cute. It's, and I, it's cute. I, it's funny. It's it's good that we get Bo's backstory. Uh, the girls are right to feel annoyed, to be honest with you. Yes. Um, yes, absolutely. Because – they, they, they are really the do secret. have a right because they have an unbelievably close relationship, those three. Yes. So it seems like a very odd thing that Bo, who's so open and forthcoming with everything in his life, all of a sudden, the door, you know, Glimmer's going, oh, no, he's always been very private. And I remember watching it going, well, hey. And I'm thinking, yeah, well, there's been nothing in the show that he's ever mentioned his family. Um, Yeah. 
There you course, go. I... We, we have to mention Catcher gets caught in a lie, which I Ooh, thought was just ouch. so devastating. It ouch. sucks. <laughs> yeah, like it's, it's, uh, yeah, not great. Quite an intimidating scene, actually. Wasn't oh, it? absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, you, you know, Catcher is in trouble and she has lost her standing and you, you just hate that for her. You just absolutely hate it. And then, of course, well, we go right into the, the cliffhanger. Shadow Weaver shows up right beside yeah. Nora's bed. And it's just like, yeah, great security you have at Bright Moon. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. The security cams need to be I just, wanted, I just wanted the next episode to open up with Shadow Weaver leaning over going, where's the bathroom? <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> that's where we're headed next is season three, aren't we? What, are we doing that next? Because there's a certain... No, we are not. We are taking a circuit breaker. Yes, we're uh, next week. We call it a c- 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 combo breaker here in America. Yeah, combo breaker. I don't actually have the graphic in front of me, so I'm not very well prepared. But you would have seen it on social. You are watching the show. We are doing a He-Man and Shira Christmas episode next week. So you cannot wait. From the old <laughs> filmation, 1985, I believe. It's going to be wonderful. We get to see a side of the characters we don't normally see, especially Skeletor. So yes. Why? Oh, it's a big crossover episode. Uh, we get yeah. Hordak, Skeletor, She-Ra, He-Man. Yeah. I think we see some characters in this episode that we actually never see again. They just show again. up. Hi, I have an action figure. Okay, I'm, well, I'm as excited as Lance, basically. Is this? Oh, no, it's not the wrong picture. He's not excited there. He looks more worried. But I am excited nonetheless. I just want to yes, I love how... <laughs> I love how... No, that, uh, was a, that was a great season. had on the classic 80s costume. Also explain why Bo had the hearts on. Yeah, it did. Why hearts? Did. Oh, your dad did. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. yeah. And, and you're right. We go back to that image when we are talking about where different sides of him. He's definitely... Looks closer to, sorry, it was Lance and who was the other guy, Brad um, or something. Oh my gosh, I just I just said that. Um, was it David and Lance? George and Lance. Know, George and Lance. George, yeah. George, he's definitely more looks familiar to George than he does. You know, Lance. I I I kind of feel like opening up a can of worms right now, but yeah, I, you know, I, we won't because I as I'm saying, <laughs> I'm like I am opening up a can of worms. Because we'll I said that. something, I said something in the chat about yes. you know, Bo resembles these two guys so much. It makes me wonder if same-sex couples can reproduce yeah. in the land of Etheria. If there's like science or some kind of magic that just like magically makes a baby. Well, here's the thing, and 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 there's definitely evidence towards your theory because of what I said to about very cl- clear attributes. From both oh, absolutely. Men. He's 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 the best of both. And that's men. what I was kind yeah. of alluding to too. Like he has got the emotional kind of heart of Lance, and then he, I think he's got the practicality and look from was it George. Did you say George? George? George and Lance, yes, George. So yeah, so which then would imply that's not something a learnt behaviour, especially emotionally. That's a usually behaviour that's carried on. So yeah, interesting. A big conversation for a whole nother day, I would say. Oh, most definitely. most. But anything's possible in theory, so we'll (laughs) keep it at that. Now, we're going to move on to our next segment, Cast and Call. It's time for that. Absolutely. That's the the responsibility we have, Jason, 
We've been given all this money from the president of Hollywood. He wants us to make our Shira movie. And now we are tasked with casting this week Scorpia. The mistress quite of cleverly standing herself. on the seats there. Well, you know, Scorpia stands on those. She's getting support. She's getting the support that she deserves. I really love the design. I do too. Look how well it's designed, like in the sense that just everything about her, her hair, like the way her claws, her stinger tail. Yeah, man, she looks dope. She does. She just, I love how they make her look dangerous and yet at the same time, just somebody you'd like to hang around with and just be pals. Yeah. I tell you what, Scorpio is someone you could ring at three o'clock in the morning with a flat tire and you know they would be, they'd come and help. Yes, they would. They could single-handedly lift the, they could single-handedly lift the car up while you change the tire. And the whole time just, so what you doing tonight? Yeah, that's right. He's trying to make plans to catch up later. Um, Yeah, no, absolutely. Now, this is a tough one to cast because you've got to look at it, you know. And we'll yeah. go with yours first. This okay. Week, Jace. And right. you'll, i got to say, your pick, never heard of the person ever. Yeah. Um, this this person, I was looking more at her uh, IMDb and she actually hasn't acted in a few years. So she may have be, she may be retired. But I cast on pure physicality alone because Scorpia mm-hmm. is huge. She is built like a venomous brick house, so to speak. She and is so massive. I chose an actress who is six foot nine, a wow. former wrestler who has appeared in a couple of uh, television shows and movies. Uh, her name is Lindsay K. Hayward. Wow. And she, she, has, is. she has such a friendly looking face that I just kind of like, yeah, that's, I think she could pull off. She's working. definitely got the look. And the thing is, I wanted to get a picture of her. Uh, her profile to show her in scale. But unfortunately, the type of photos that she was in, I couldn't use for this particular. They weren't, they weren't, you know, she was wearing something, but maybe something that is appropriate for another time. And, uh, and not, not this show. <laughs> but she's massive. She's huge. I mean, she like, is. She is. And, and, and apparently, extremely talented, extremely talented wrestler. Um, so yeah, physicality wise, she would have been like perfect for sure. So uh ah, we go, we're thumbing back. Yep, you're yeah. back. Um you're getting kind of hazy. <laughs> yeah, you're getting kind of hazy there. Yeah. You weren't so confident in your choice, maybe this week. Maybe that's what it was. <laughs> uh no, it was a great choice. I've never heard of her, but I looked at her and went, Oh well, geez, all you have to do is give her a haircut, put on a few oh, yeah. you know, a costume, and sh- that's her. Absolutely, absolutely. Just I pure physicality. I cheated, to be honest with you, because... But you cheated in a very creative way that I, yeah. I respect. I The fact is, I knew... I looked up... First episode I saw, I looked up at who she was, and I went, I know this actress, and I love this actress. She was in a sitcom. Not a great sitcom, but, you know, I leave it on the background, you know, Netflix, called Superstore. And she played the security officer in that. And she was hilarious in that show. She was actually the only really funny character. Everyone was, everyone else was like mediocre funny. She was the actual funny one. So she was one of them. When I found out it was her, I'm like, wow. And then when it came to casting it, I'm going, well, what makes Scorpio work so well to me is her personality. Lauren Ash, the person I've chosen, plays the actual Scorpio. 
then she's there. Um, and she like brings such a specific tone to Scorpio that I found it hard to replicate. And the fact that she is somebody who's changed herself physically before for a role, I think she would be perfect for Scorpio. I, I think, think she would absolutely a be a good fit. I think you would have to do some, you know, trickery with height, good old fashioned Hollywood. You know, smoke and mirrors. But besides that, I hey, you I know what? If they can make Tom Cruise look like he's normal height in every movie, I think that they can do it for Lauren Ash and make yeah. her look taller. Yeah, I mean, she's 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 got unbelievable comic timing, and and you, as you hear her voice talent in the show, she creates this balance of basically being a stalker, <laughs> who is a villain, who's absolutely adorable and likable, who is loyal, who's also extremely dangerous in a battlefield. It's crazy. This is a complex character. And she dances this line with this character that makes her somebody that you're absolutely glued to when she's on the screen. There and are you a know lot you of characters have a who should not that. work on this show, and they do. And it's it's so laudable. I just love it. Yeah, yeah. And Lauren, I mean, it's gay. It, it, uh, Scorpio is, to me, it's pretty clear she's gay. And I don't know, but... I, could be wrong. I believe Lauren is as well. So, and again, it's not, I don't know because it's not forced down our throat, but I obviously her obsession with Catra, I think, is more than just a friendship for her. I don't think anybody on this show is gay. I think that it doesn't matter. Well, I think that if you find somebody you vibe with, then that's who yeah. you know you it's a, choose. It's yeah. a social construct that just doesn't exist. Exactly. Because I mean, let's face it, if Glimmer was not around, Bo would be with Seahawk. <laughs> Probably <laughs> perfectly hey. honest. Yeah. If, That'd be if just Seahawk was not around, Mermista would yeah, to adventure. Mermista would totally be with Adora if Seahawk was not you around. Oh, Wait, yeah. Glimmer? He, he is so low-key in love with Adora. Yeah. I mean, come on, Glimmer? He, he'd be a good match with Glimmer. Uh, a same-sex match with Glimmer? I don't want to say Frosta because there's that weird age difference, and I think yeah, that's it's more too much of an age difference. Thing. I, don't, I don't know. I don't really see no. one with, with Glimmer. I don't I either. That's part. why I asked. It doesn't, it's not really evident. Bo is her one and only. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there it is. Yeah, we're the best friends. That's yeah. it. The best friend squad. Ah, well, season two, mate, amazing. Like I said, so basically we'll be back in the new year starting season three. I think it'll work out. Absolutely, yes. So that'll be really exciting. And we probably should say while we're talking about business that in the new year, Power of J-Skull will move to a fortnightly schedule. We won't be doing this every week. All of the all the 12-year-old kids out there just went, fortnight? Fortnight, yeah, exactly. <laughs> They're out. They've just turned off. That's it. We don't even get a proper full view because I said the word Fortnite. Again. <laughs> um, no, yeah, we'll be moving to every two weeks because of the new show that we're going to be doing, yes. Jason, you and me, next year as well, which is called The VHS Bolt. I should have had the graphic ready. I don't. Basically, it's a show we're going to go back and watch some of the classic films from our youth, things that we were exposed to in that VHS area, and we're going to talk about it like a couple of reminiscing old nerds that we are. Absolutely, so, absolutely. We've got some bangers picked out. Yeah, we've got some. Oh, the list of movies we've got is crazy. It's going to be a lot of fun. To, so to if you're old like us, it's great because you'll be able to reminisce with us. 
if you're young and you want recommendations, definitely tune in as well because we're going to give you recommendations of things you should watch. So uh, especially if you want to kind of get a sense of film history, where you guys. All right, but before we go tonight, we're going to launch a brand new segment, Jason. And it's a bit uncomfortable to say the least because it means that I'm going to be kicking you off the show for oh, a bit. Yeah. yeah, man, sorry. Like I've been very lucky. I've been able to secure the Lord of Destruction himself. I've, Elon? I can't believe it. I've literally been able to get Skeletor to come on and Shut do up. a segment for the show. Yeah, mate, oh, I don't know what That's to say. awesome. So, okay, that's fine. That's fine. That's all I'm going to say, all right? So, Jason, I'm sorry, mate. I'll, I'll bring you back. I'll tell you, just hang out in the room. Just hang out Fine. in the green room or wherever, and I'll bring you back afterwards. But I'm sorry. I've kind of got to boot you because here's the new segment called Dear Skeletor. And, of course, here's our special guest, the Lord of Destruction Health, Skeletor. Mm. Or should I say at Evil Papa? Evil Papa. Right. Uh, what can I say? Thank you for making your time. I, I see the video is not great. Clearly not great Wi-Fi up at uh, Stake Mountain there, but we'll deal with it. It's just glad to have you on. Well, so, that's uh, what I get for allowing Beast Man to put in the Wi-Fi. That bumbling furry fool. Yes, it, yes. You may have to have that... decent Wi-Fi up here at Snake Mountain. Something with all the cell phone towers being messed up. Yeah. You really got to get better henchmen, but we'll talk about your recruitment model later. You're here to do, basically, you're going to give advice to people out there. Because Skeletal, you've been through things. Of you've course I have, things. you Aussie oaf. Mm, yeah. Classy all the way. All right, well... Okay, well, look, let's just get into it. I have our first letter, Skeletor. So are you ready? Are you ready for this question? I'm always ready. Proceed. Okay. <laughs> Dear Skeletor, for the last 20 years, I have held the gourmet cookie stand at the state fair to great acclaim. However, this year, my private allocated space that I've held for 20 years, no less, has been given to this individual who's also selling a lesser grade of cookie. I've now been put all the way back now near the barbecue pit. What can I do about this injustice? Karen, Ohio. Hmm. Interesting. A conundrum worthy of Skeletor. Well, let's see. First of all, what kind of cookies are we talking about here? Are they evil cookies? Because if they are not evil cookies, you should seriously consider making them evil. Because I find revenge is such a great ingredient to put in evil cookies. Finally. <laughs> yeah. How dare you interrupt the great Skeletor. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Skeletor. Oh. Are you done? Yes, I'm done. All right. Skeletor has lost his train of thought. Okay, I'm sorry, Skeletor. How dare you? I didn't you? mean to. I, I will ask, though, evil cookies, I mean, uh, yeah, what's an evil cookie? What is not in evil cookies? Good. 
You take all the good out of cookies with a ray or some kind of potion. You take all the good out of cookies and then you have evil cookies. Also raisins. <laughs> it was quite philosophical right up to the raisins bit. Well, you've just put lots and lots of raisins into a cookie and it squeezes all the good out of it. <laughs> that is true. Now back to poor Karen from Ohio. She's been booted by the sounds of it. She's held her space, her territory, and it's been taken from her. Skeletor, you're someone who land acquisition's part of your deal. How does she get back what's rightfully hers? Simple. Revenge and a shadow beast. Bring a yes. shadow beast. Say that it is a service animal because they cannot legally ask you if it if it is a service animal. It's illegal or something. She's a Karen. She will know this. You bring the shadow beast, put it next to the offending oaf who has taken over your rightful spot, and then wait. And you know what happens next. No, what happens <laughs> next? Are you kidding me? It's a shadow beast. <laughs> yeah. It will, you know, beast. It will, it will decare in her. It will, oh my God, it will eat her. Okay, okay, I got it. I got By it, evil papa. I got it, I got it. Just, Don't have to be condescending. I yet. thought Beast Man was a moron. <laughs> oh my God, well, you would have figured this out already. Yeah, it's like how, why did we sign a contract for you to appear on every episode? I have no idea, but we're going to roll through it. Because I would have destroyed Skeletor. you otherwise. Yes, yes, of course, Skeletor, of course. Oh, yeah. All right, well, that ends the end of this first clearly successful segment for Dear Skeletor. Bye, Skeletor. Silence! Jason, thanks. Thank you so much for that. I apologize. This is a jerk. That didn't go well, but thank you for waiting. But you're going to have him back next week, I'm assuming. Yeah, we <sighs> signed something. Uh, there's money involved. Well, I cannot yeah. appear on the show with him. He knows what he's uh, doing. We'll keep you guys separate, all right, as much as possible. I get it. And I get I it. I don't think that a shadow beast is a registered service animal, by the way. No one really vetted how good his advice would be, I don't think. So, but I think we're stuck with him. Anyway, all right, that's it. That's the end of the episode. Thank you so much for watching. That was season two, Shearer Princesses of Power. Oh, my God. I, season two, and I'm convinced this is the best version of a Masters of the Universe spin-off franchise that I've seen. I told period. you so. I told you. You did. You did. You definitely did. And you know what? I was a little bit skeptical because, you know, we're all guilty sometimes of overselling things. But uh, you definitely did not oversell, probably undersold a little bit, to be honest with you, because this is amazing. I agree. Yes. Yeah. It, it, it is quite nice. All right, guys. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next week for our He Man and Shira Christmas special. We'll see you guys then. Goodbye.